This podcast contains themes of family violence, which may be triggering. If you're listening in Tasmania where this podcast is made and you need support now, you can contact the free Family Violence Counselling and Support Service on 1800 608 122 or you can call the 24-hour National Support Service on 1800 RESPECT. If you're in an emergency, please contact 000. This podcast also contains legal information. It is not intended to be legal advice. You will find a list of legal services that you can contact for individual advice in the show notes. I needed to be sure in my mind that I was legally doing the right thing with his belonging. I knew I couldn't have any communication with him because if I spoke to him today, he'd be back in my house tonight. I just know it. So my only option to be as strong as you possibly can be as an individual was to get somebody to act on my behalf. So I wasn't personally interacting with him. My lawyer did all that for me and took a lot of that emotional stress out of it for me. That is someone you'll get to know as Jane, and she's explaining how she knew she needed some legal help. We're going to hear more about what Jane's dealt with, and we'll hear stories from other women about a legal system that just doesn't seem to fit women. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't work. Welcome to the first episode of Rule of Thumb. My name's Penny Terry and I've been working with the lawyers at the Women's Legal Service Tasmania and with local counsellors who specialise in supporting women who are experiencing family violence to learn some of what they know about the application of the law and how it impacts women. And I've also been working with women who describe their own interactions with the legal process. I reckon it'll get uncomfortable Because it seems the more we understand the application of the law, the more uncomfortable the law becomes. But as we get used to being uncomfortable, I wonder what else might happen. The first thing that usually happens, and what this episode is about, is making the decision to get some legal help. So women, in my experience, are really reluctant to go down the legal path at all. If there's any way of getting some kind of agreement um, from their ex, then that's what they'll do. And they'll put off taking any kind of legal action until it becomes um, unavoidable. I have not known a single case in my experience where the woman initiated the legal action, except where there were really extreme concerns for the safety of her children. Any uncomfortable feelings yet? I mean, there's a bit going on here. We're hearing a bloke talk about the experience of women. We're also hearing a bloke talk about the gender inequity that he sees in the law. And I wonder if this stuff makes us listen differently. You're hearing from Jack Dalby. Jack is a trauma counsellor and as part of his practice, he works with women experiencing family violence. And he also does some behaviour change work with perpetrators or users of violence. And as you get to know Jack, you'll hear him talk about both men and women and what he sees through his work. And Jack knows that what he sees is by no means representative of everyone who might go down the legal path. What he talks about is the patterns that he notices in the work that he does. 
women aren't thinking about this stuff until they're forced to. So they don't know anything about it ahead of time. They haven't liked to think about it during the course of the relationship because a lot of women believe that if they think about that kind of stuff, it's almost like blaming their partners and that's and that's like judging them and that's kind of wrong. And so they put off this sort of thinking. Um, so they don't. They tend not to know anything very much when they start. They don't know who to ask. They don't know where to go first. And they're very much at the mercy of whoever they first speak to in the system. If they end up speaking to someone who isn't trauma-informed and who doesn't know how the system can be used and manipulated against victims, then they might get representation that's not particularly um, helpful to them. Now, clearly, that's not the place that anyone wants to start. And part of the reason for this podcast is that we give you some information so that you can then feel more confident to go and get some individual legal advice that is helpful. So what sorts of things are happening for women when they realise they need legal help? Let's meet someone I'll call Natalie. I had separated from my husband and... Um, what happened was is I was able to leave the relationship but he wanted to maintain control of the children and so I left and was only having the children every second weekend and I soon realised that that wasn't enough and also that I needed to get help in, in doing that. I'd had contact you know, handover um, with the children. There were, then I started to realise I needed some help. I wasn't able to work it out just between myself and him. So um, it was a bit of a, a slow process. I um, sought the help of a lawyer to look at getting formalised custody arrangements. Making that first contact with a lawyer, what do you remember about how you were feeling about doing that? Yeah, look, I, I think I was pretty much naive. Um, I, I certainly know now that I knew nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing of the process. So, um, yeah, looking back, I kind of go, wow, pretty naive. I mean, I'd never had to use any a lawyer for anything before in my life. So it was my first contact with anyone from a legal perspective. Does that fit with you? It's that idea that most of us probably don't think about our legal rights or how the law applies to our situation until, well, we have to. Here's what Jane remembers thinking after her first conversation with a lawyer. I wasn't advised, but I worked out very quickly that it was going to be a very long, drawn-out process. Uh, There's lots of he-said-she-said stuff that goes on and at the end of the day really it boils down to maths depending on how much you contribute depending on how much they contribute it's all the fact that it was my house first that's irrelevant Um, it's a simple calculation as to who's entitled to what that's a simple simple calculation is however very unjust So that's what Jane took away from her first conversation with a lawyer about what she might be in for. And importantly, she learned that some of what other people were telling her about what she was or wasn't entitled to wasn't right. Let's hear from Una. Una has been the principal solicitor at the Women's Legal Service in Tasmania. 
She told me she sees some horrendous cases. But she also said that there are times that straightforward, simple legal advice can make a huge impact on women's lives. Often women are reassured to hear that when they call a lawyer, it doesn't mean they're setting something into motion. It can be simply to get some advice. You know, it doesn't suddenly have to turn into a legal matter. There doesn't have to be applications filed and a big dispute. It can just be to find out what your rights are. Um, A lot of women are relieved to find when they call us that they don't have to do or not do the thing they're being told they should be doing and that the law's on their side with that and they can actually just essentially ignore the pressure that's being put on them to behave or do or comply with certain wishes. So So they might have been told something that was untrue and by calling you they realise that that is not something that can be used to control them anymore. Absolutely. I mean, often women who have been in family violence situations have found themselves in a bit of a pattern of um, coming under pressure from the other party. Maybe the other party has an air of knowing what they're talking about um, or they've, you know, deferred to the other party on on a lot of things. Um, And so when the relationship breaks down, they often call us saying, well, the other party's telling me this and that. and What sorts of things? Oh, you know, I have a right to half the house. I have a right to 50% time with the children, you know. There are no such immediate rights. And I guess often just calling and and, and finding out that um, what they're being told is not the case can, can make a huge difference. How much of a difference? Well, when I started working at Women's Legal Service, I remember that the, the principal who was there said, you will notice that women change on their second appointment. They come in, they look tired, they look worn out, they just look, you know, it, like the weight of the world's on their shoulders, often, you know, having neglected their, their self-care a little bit. Um, and then you give them some advice provide them with some information, often some reassurance. Yeah, I have to say it's so common to see on the next appointment they've come in, they've had a haircut, they've got some lipstick on, life is looking up. Um, They've usually got a bit more energy. You know, it's it's quite striking and it's a really satisfying aspect of the job because you just see immediately that change that comes over women when they feel empowered. Are you feeling a bit more empowered yet? We're only at the very early stages of this series, which we're creating with the Women's Legal Service Tasmania, as they were looking for a new way to help educate people like you and me about the legal process and also highlight the experience that women have. And it was at about this point that I still wasn't quite clear why we need a women's only legal service. Don't men deal with some of these issues too? By the end of this series, I reckon you'll have a number of your own answers to that question. Some might mean more to you than others. But let's start with the more obvious stuff. Let's meet Hannah. Hannah is a lawyer who specifically got involved with a service for women to try and have some influence on what she sees as the inequity of the law. So I think a lot of it is to do with 
access to justice, so particularly in the family law area. So what we commonly see is that women are the ones who take on that caretaker role, so they're looking after the children and the home. So they're staying home, they're not in employment. If the relationship breaks down, especially after a significant period, they then are left without superannuation, without any um, recent work experience, then they can find it incredibly difficult to fund legal proceedings. So that's one of the big areas where that uh, inequality becomes pretty evident. And that's why organisations specific to women like us exist. We don't think about this stuff, do we? I mean, we just get into relationships and we don't think about what our legal situation is going to be if that relationship ends. What do women talk to you about when they have this realisation? They're just at a loss. A lot of them as well, because they aren't the ones earning, the partner has been in control of the money. So that's another issue that once they're out of that relationship, they're at a bit of a loss as to how to even manage their finances and budgeting. So uh, that's something that our organisation has recognised and we have been um, working with in-house financial counsellors to address that issue. And we'll meet one of those financial counsellors in an upcoming episode and find out what being financially vulnerable can look like during the legal process. But let's get back to the experience that women have with the law and how or why it might be different for men. From where trauma counsellor Jack Dalby sits, working with women who've experienced family violence and men who use violence, he's got some big picture stuff that he wants to throw in the mix. I think we raise boys and girls very differently, particularly around how they negotiate difference, how they come to agreements, how they settle disputes. So the women I work with have been raised to be really invested in negotiation, in agreement, in maintaining the relationship, in keeping both people in the relationship and and obviously also children um, happy and on the same page. Men seem to have been raised much more in a competitive kind of way. So for them, it becomes more about if they believe that they're in the right, then they think it's it's right that they should get their way and they're prepared to use um, tactics that often go into the, in, into the area of the abusive um, in order to get their way. So women are trying to negotiate, men are trying to win. Um, that's, that's a generality, but I have to say that that's the pattern I see pretty much in all of the men and women um, that I work with. So when you're going into something like um, the, the legal system, like the family court system, um, men and women are not playing by the same rules and women are going in to some extent with one hand tied behind their backs. They're trying to negotiate, they're trying to, to um, agree, um, the men are trying to be adversarial and the legal system lends itself to, to being adversarial if one partner wants to take it down that path. How do you talk with your clients about what they're likely to come up against in court or I guess how do they reflect yeah. on that with you? Sure. So I certainly don't give any kind of legal advice. If people are asking specific questions about um, the process of the law, I'm referring them to usually a community sector um, lawyer. What I talk to my clients about is we talk about their experience in the relationship, we talk about their experience of their partner, and then we talk about how it's likely that that person will negotiate the system so that the the woman, and it's always the woman that I'm having this conversation with, um, knows what to expect. Women are often 
really hopeful that they can negotiate some kind of agreement that that everyone can be happy with and they're surprised when their partners escalate it to a conflict. But that's pretty much what always happens and I'm helping um, women manage that kind of expectation. If the court system is set up to work better for people who are, are hostile, will they have a better run through the court system? I certainly wouldn't say that I think the court is biased or deliberately set up to favour um, men over women. Um, I think what the court does is make the same assumptions about relationships and about gender roles that we do, you know, more broadly as a society. And that kind of works its way through into a lot of situations of disadvantage for women. So if the courts don't understand that family violence victims are coming from an experience of really strong oppression, day-to-day anxiety and fear and having to worry about how the other partner is, is, is behaving and how he's acting and when he might snap. They don't understand the... I guess they don't understand the emotional baggage that the woman can bring into the court system, so she's very often stressed, traumatised, so she comes already worn out. Um, If that's not understood, then it's hard for courts to be um, what we call trauma-informed. I feel like we're all getting a little bit more trauma-informed as this episode goes on. And one thing to know... The lawyers who work on the other end of the free legal advice line, they certainly are. So how does it work when you make that phone call? Well, there might be Lillian that picks up the phone. Lillian has been working at the Women's Legal Service of Tasmania for two years and she's a massive advocate for women and for helping them understand their options even when they've done things that they're worried will get them into serious trouble. The first thing I say to a person on the call when they when they speak to me is that anything that you say to me is covered uh, under legal professional privilege. If someone is calling me about family violence, that person is asking me what um, structures does the law have essentially um, to help me. My role is to give you advice and empower you with that advice. I will give you the options. I will talk to you about how the law works in those certain circumstances but then it is ultimately your decision what you then decide to do. I feel like quite often lawyers are just telling us the 101 of stuff. Does it feel like sometimes you are giving us the simple stuff? Yeah, sometimes we do. It is just the simple stuff. But it's really hard to find where that simple stuff is and that information. I think that's the hardest part. You, You can Google it, but, you know, that could be information that you're getting from overseas. It's not for Tasmania. It's not for Australia. Or it's not always conveyed in simple terms. We use strange legalese to describe things. All of those words, put them all together on one page, it's all very overwhelming. Um, And so that's kind of the nice thing about an advice line. I don't understand something. I'm just going to give these people a call. They might have an answer. Oh, look, we do. There you go. You've got your answer. You can move on and and get that information. Um, And I suppose that's a benefit of an advice line that's free. Yep. A definite benefit to having a free legal advice line. But while it might not have a monetary cost, I've got to say, I am wondering what the other costs are to sharing your story. Here's what Jane found. Some of the things that we talked about were not pleasant things. Um, 
and you have to bring your skeletons out of the closet. But there's no judgment. There's no judgment. It's almost like they've heard it a hundred thousand times before. And let's face it, none of us should have to experience the things that we have to talk about like that. And it's heart-wrenching to know that there's thousands and thousands of women out there that just do as they're told because doing as they're told is just so much easier than finding the courage to stand up and say, well, actually, no, that's not going to work for me. None of any of this feels easy for me and I guess it's that uncomfortable thing again. I can understand how hard and awkward it must be getting your skeletons out for someone you hardly even know. So you might wonder, is it worth it? There is a world of difference, particularly when parties appear unrepresented to when they are represented, particularly with negotiations, I think, unfortunately, and and it's no fault of clients or callers, but they do look at a lot of TV show law um, and they kind of see any court proceeding as being very litigious or evidence-oriented, which it is to a degree, um, but I guess I'm always of the view that if parties can resolve it um, between themselves without having the court decide for them that's always the best outcome if they can reach orders by consent or if they can try and mediate and negotiate um, without having the court have to make those decisions and and taking it to a trial where they all need to be questioned and cross-examined and all of that I couldn't encourage that more. So this is Durka another of the lawyers that you'll get to know throughout this series and we hope that by the end of it you'll know more about the job of a lawyer than even those closest to them do. I don't think a lot of my friends even know what a lawyer does, to be honest. Like, oh, do you go to court? You know, do you, you know, what what does your typical day look like? So that's, that's probably what I get asked most, actually. What do lawyers actually do? What does your typical day look like? Yeah, so it can be really different. I guess there's um, that image out there that it's glamorous because of all of those, you know, American legal shows, but um, our days are a lot more boring than that. So I guess a, a typical day might be doing calls on the advice line and just giving that sort of generalist advice about, and it could be any legal matter, typically it will be family law, family violence, those areas. It could be, I guess, a lot of drafting. So a lot of correspondence, letters between lawyers, um, drafting those court documents to to initiate those court proceedings. Obviously, the advice is really important, but I'd imagine when you are talking with clients, whether it's on the advice line or it's face-to-face, you must have to have some other skills in listening to what they're saying. What else is important in, in those conversations that you have with your clients? Look, so I think um, a big one is letting them tell their story at their own pace and I guess acknowledging the situation that they have been through and actively listening and, and acknowledging what it is that they're saying and, and what they have experienced. What do you want the people who might be ringing to know about what they're going to get on the other end? So I think um, first and foremost that there is no judgement. You can feel free to tell us what it is that you've experienced, what it is that you need help with, knowing that we're not going to be making those sorts of judgments about you. Is there a particular day at work that you remember as a a really kind of poignant moment about why you do what you do? 
not um, a particular day as such, but I guess it's incredibly satisfying at the conclusion of a client's matter, especially if it's a hard one matter. Um, they've been through a lot. Even before they may have come to see us, they may have been through the ringer, through the system, through several different lawyers or through multiple mediations and still not got that outcome. So that's incredibly satisfying and fulfilling when you're able to achieve that outcome for someone. That's what a good outcome looks like for Hannah, who's one of the lawyers at the Women's Legal Service Tasmania. Her colleague Lillian has something else to add. Uh, Seeing them on the day that you settle a matter or you close a matter compared to the first day that you see them um, and they just walk differently. Generally I think people come in, uh, leave more empowered than when they came in. They got a more powerful walk. Yeah, definitely. Isn't that awesome? There's been a fair bit of stuff in this episode and I've no doubt that you've got all sorts of things going through your head right now. But I also reckon that the more you listen to this podcast, the more powerful your walk will become. In our next episode, we go deeper on the legal process and we learn pretty quickly that it doesn't always go in a straight line. I just needed to know that my house that I had worked my entire life for was secure And for almost approximately three years, I had that hanging over my head whilst we went through the court process. And it is the most horrid experience of your life. You've just got this weight on your shoulders that just won't go. There were comments made, you're two adults, why don't you work it out? It's like, we're here for a reason, we need someone else to do it because it's just not possible. That's on the next episode of Rule of Thumb, a podcast helping us get more comfortable with the uncomfortable process of the law. Just a reminder that the legal information in this podcast is not intended as advice. Check out our show notes where we've got a list of legal services you can contact for individual advice and also the contact details of where you can get support if you're experiencing family violence. I'm Penny Terry, and this is a podcast from the Women's Legal Service Tasmania. 